Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of South Asia Chat, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. Um, my name is Karthik Nachipan. I'm a fellow here at the Institute, uh, and I work on technology and digital issues in South Asia. Uh, and today we are very pleased to be joined by um, Gurshabad Grover, uh, who is the Information Controls Fellow uh, supported by the Open Tech Fund and is based in Bangalore, India. And what we're going to do in this conversation is talk uh, talk more about what uh, India is looking to do with respect to internet governance, um, which is most recently captured by some moves on the regulation of uh, VPNs, virtual private networks in India. Um, this is the latest set of rules that the government is instituting uh, to manage um, the internet and to bring it under a, a more a coherent and, and, a and, and, a, and a manageable framework for themselves. Uh, but these rules like those before it will have uh, implications for other actors and stakeholders involved as well. Uh, including the private sector, um, civil society, uh, government, and the Indian public at large. So we're going to be talking about all these issues, and I'm, I'm very happy to have uh, Gurshabad here with us today. Uh, Gurshabad, welcome. Thanks so much. It's a, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. Uh, before we begin, I was hoping you could share with our, our audience uh, a little bit about your own background and policy work. Um, I was going over your writings and research, and, and you've covered a wide range of issues, um, censorship, social media, privacy, encryption, um, internet shutdowns, um, all of these uh, in the Indian context. So tell us a bit about how you got into the space and, and what you're doing now. Uh, hey, thanks so much. So uh, I, I'm a computer scientist by, by training. Uh, currently, I'm studying online censorship practices in South Asia from both technical and legal perspectives. Uh, previously, I was at the Center for Internet and Society where uh, in India, where I worked on censorship, surveillance. And in parallel, I've also been thinking about how we can make internet infrastructure more resilient to censorship and surveillance. That is how internet and networking standards at the Internet Engineering Task Force and other standards development organization can be designed so that state and corporate surveillance is say, impossible to begin with. So, so those are the main uh, threads in, in my uh, recent work. Uh, before we talk about um, the, the, the recent regulations and rules on VPN, I, I want to ask if you could describe to the audience um, how would you characterize the, the Indian government's um, internet governance approach? Um, how does Delhi want to regulate the internet today? And how has this changed over time? Right, there's, there's been a dichotomy that sort of pervades internet regulation in all countries, I suppose. One is this need for state sovereignty. Uh, the other is this imagination of the internet as, as a global communication network. And, and those two, and those two tensions and, and ideologies play out in various ways. Uh, my former colleagues at the Center for Internet and Society had a, had a very interesting paper studying what India's contributions were to the global internet governance debate. And they found that depending on the ministry, you know, it's one way or the other. Uh, so it's also both tensions that play in India. On, on the domestic regulation of the internet, I would, which, I, which my work 
has has looked at i would say um it's it's censorship and surveillance tendencies also apply to the internet as they did to uh, other offline forms of media and and in fact sometimes the online censorship regime and the surveillance regime are opaque they operate you know without any judicial intervention without any parliamentary intervention so it's very much all in the hands of the executive at the, at this point so you do see those centralization and authoritarian tendencies also play out in india's internet governance debate recently of course there's uh, this uh, there's this push against dominance by us or chinese big tech platform right so we've had a wide range of chinese services actually banned in india after border tensions with china uh, but also you see this play out in narratives such as data localization where um, uh, you you want to favor companies that are based in india or you want servers located in india even if the company uh, is from another country um what kind of laws or rules that the government now uh have to regulate the internet effectively because from the way i see it, there's a lot of um there's a lot of policy processes underway to regulate data cybersecurity uh, and other issues but the, the the government seems to be relying on existing statutes uh, mostly with the it act to manage and regulate the internet um is that a problem and how do you see that evolving over time uh, absolutely the the it act was passed in the year 2000 and had some uh, amendments in the year 2009 but uh, i mean we've seen uh, the internet evolve so much in these years and uh, the government recognizes this actually they're also uh, thinking about either replacing the it act or amending the it act so we we've already having those conversations the it act is omnibus in the sense that it tries to regulate many spheres of uh, cyber assets uh, information communication systems and the internet so it has regulation on data security practices for instance it also has a law that allows the government to censor online resources it it has it has a provision that allows them to access information that is held by online service providers and and many of the latter actually have had legal and constitutional problems with it as well um and one may recall puttaswami versus union of india which is a landmark case in india that affirmed the right to privacy it in fact stemmed from um an informational privacy issue which was uh, the aadhaar uh, the national biometric uh, database so that that law even even the government of india recognizes that it needs to be updated it tries to do a lot of things at once um uh, in in terms of what other laws we may need we still don't have a general data protection regulation we do have some sectoral specific and some very minimum safeguards in the it act but um that that is also uh, the need of the r as with respect to uh, human rights online in india um So before we talk about india's recent moves on vpns can you maybe tell our listeners what vpns are what role they play and and why do users um use them on the online sure so vpn stands for virtual private network and the term network here does not mean the capital i internet uh if if you have your laptop and phone connected on just to one wifi router those are two devices on the same network right and that's enough to communicate between themselves so as the name vpn suggests 
virtual private network. The technology started out to have devices that are on different networks behave as if they were on the same network. So VPNs create this abstraction that is useful across context. Say if you're working in a corporate setting, you may have used VPNs to connect first to the company network, and only then are you granted access to internal resources. So this is primarily a security measure. Say you only want devices on the company network to access company resources, right? And if you're a university student, you may have used VPNs to connect your university network so that you can access various journals and academic repositories that your university has access to. But VPNs as it's now, and we're also using this in common parlance, are useful for the general population in a personal context too. And, and that use relates to both privacy and freedom of expression and the right to access information. So we're relying on our internet service provider for access to the internet. And there are some nuances here, but broadly your internet service provider can look at your internet traffic and make some very reliable conclusions about what websites you're visiting or what apps you're using to connect to the internet. And you may not want your ISP to know this information, especially if you're all in an already vulnerable position and they face violence from the state. Um, and because your government in many cases has surveillance laws, they have direct or indirect access to the information that is stored by your internet service provider. So let's say uh, you are homosexual in a country where your identity is basically criminalized. You may want to use a VPN to access LGBT, LGBTQ forums, right? Or if you're a journalist or researcher in an area like Kashmir, which is heavily militarized and policed, you may not want your ISP or government to know what you were reading online. So most consumer-grade VPNs that we refer to generally allow you to access online resources, websites using another network. And therefore, in many ways, you are able to hide this information from your own internet service provider. So that's the security and privacy related use case that for the general population. And um, there may be other privacy concerns with VPNs, and I don't want to underplay those. Uh, your VPN may be storing your network traffic, right? So and deriving profits out of those. So, so that's that's that requires another risk assessment. But in the general case, that's why people may be using VPNs. The second use for VPNs is that based on the information the ISPs collect and can see. They can also restrict access to certain information. They can see that you're trying to access example.com and then stop your connection like that. And in India, for instance, many websites and services are blocked like this. TikTok, the social media network, College Humor, like an American-based comedy network, right? Like it ranges from that to Naxalite writings to Pakistani government websites. A lot of resources are blocked for Indian users. So people use of, often use VPNs to circumvent state or corporate censorship as well. Do you have a sense of how widely VPNs are used in India? I, so I, I think lots of people use VPNs selectively when they know they are trying to access something that is blocked by uh, the government or by ISPs. There, there is a, uh, the VPNs are very uh, useful for vulnerable populations as well. So the journalists and researchers I know always have a VPN on hand. Whereas in the general population in India, I think they're used mostly as a censorship circumvention tool rather than um, uh, rather than a general purpose privacy tool. So can you now give us a breakdown of, of what these recent policy moves on the VPNs uh, do? Um, why did the government um, search specifically here, which is a computer emergency response team, 
um, issue these new rules, which expect VPNs to provide more data on the operations, right? Yeah. So because of the roles, uh, because of the role VPNs play in censorship circumvention and added privacy to network traffic, they have been the target of some skepticism by the government, even the parliament and the regulators. So a couple of instances in the last two years actually demonstrate that for, for context. In, in 2020, there were, when there were only specific online services permitted in Jammu and Kashmir, uh, there were news reports that people were beaten up by the police on the road if the police found VPNs on someone's phone, right? Um, and in March 2021, the Standing Committee on Home Affairs in, in the Indian Parliament uh, tabled its report on atrocities and crime against women and, and children. And in one of the chapters, they identifies VPNs as like a, um, a privacy adding technology, which may contribute to online violence against the, these vulnerable groups and, and suggested regulatory or even banning measures against them. And uh, uh, the Internet Freedom Foundation in India has been keeping track of these developments quite well. So, so that's a great resource to check out. The recent uh, regulatory move uh, actually comes from, as you said, CERT in, which is the Computer Emergency Response Team in India. And as per the IT Act, they are in part to issue regulations on security incidents and information security generally. So these rules uh, came in April 2022, and they regulate a whole wide uh, array of issues actually on how, in, how service providers are synchronizing time, some uh, things on security incidents. And perhaps the issue that received the most attention in those rules is specific to VPNs and VPSs, which is that for a period of five years, they have to maintain what they call validated names of their subscribers, right? And also have email address, IP address of the customer. Uh, they have obligations to keep records of financial transactions, but also coupled with the fact that they also require them to keep logs of all systems for 180 days. Um, and the, uh, the, the trend towards data localization I mentioned is also reflected in there because they also use the phrase shall be maintained within the Indian jurisdiction. So, so the, this is the latest sort of regulatory move by, by certain. Now, there is clearly a security angle here as, you're, as, yeah. as you revealed, but is, the, is there, are there entities say from the private sector firms who could be affected by these new rules as well? And their, their employees, their operations could rely on uh, being able to use VPNs in India. Um, is the government aware of this? Uh, do they care? Do they not care? Um, what about the economic angle? That's a great question. And, and soon after the rules were notified, they so they don't come into effect immediately. They come into effect at the end of June, actually. But since the rules received media attention, uh, certain was uh, very quick to issue a response. They published a document called the frequently answered questions on, on these specific rules. Uh, and uh, one of the clarifications that they made was that uh, the, the rules will not apply to corporate VPNs. So uh, in, in a sense, I mean, working through the process of exclusion, where uh, I think we can safely arrive that they were targeting this consumer general user uh, use case of VPN. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and play devil's advocate here for a reason yeah. and take the role of the government. Okay. Um, so what they might say uh, is that, look, there is a clear cybersecurity dimension here for us, right? 
Um, India was ranked second in terms of cyber attacks globally. Um, and that is just growing by the day. Uh, the numbers of threats online are proliferating. Uh, so we have to have a much better sense, uh, an idea of the sources of these attacks uh, and where they're coming from and what we're experiencing online. Uh, and as a result, we need to have these new provisions. Um, private, regardless of uh, privacy or other kinds of considerations. I mean, how would you respond to that? Right. I, I think there's one part of what you mentioned that come, that almost seems like an external threat, like cyber attack on your country's resources, right? And in that case, it probably won't be an Indian actor using a VPN to target Indian resources, right? Like it's already a foreign network that will probably target you. So these regulations, in my opinion, don't do anything to assuage those concerns. Um, on, on cybersecurity, now coming at the more domestic level, yeah. right? Like we've seen arguments yeah. that uh, you can use these privacy enhancing technologies to, you know, now more freely engage in online harassment, right? Like, or, yeah. or, or things like those. And, and uh, that is a legitimate problem that I, I do not want to underplay in any way. Uh, it's, it, it's also about how you approach this problem, right? Like if you keep, if you keep criminals and cyber criminals at the heart of your regulation, then you are mm. bound to come up with rules that sort of target them and undermines everyone's freedom of expression and, and privacy. Right. So the the clear concern uh, civil society have had with these rules, which I also have with these rules, is that you uh, you are violating like a cardinal principle of informational privacy, which is that which is something called data minimization. And this is not a principle, you know, that, that civil society respects. It's 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 considered so fundamental to data protection like regulation in countries around the world, right? Like it's also recognized in Indian jurisprudence now, um, even though we don't have a general data protection law now. And that principle is that you collect and maintain only the minimum amount of information that you need to provide services, right? Um, which, which these rules just completely contradict. They ask you to retain information just for surveillance and security purposes, right? So, uh, and I do not want to engage in like internet exceptionalism. Actually, you will find very similar rules apply to telecom providers in India. Uh, but it, uh, but that's a wrong that we also need to correct. It, it, it doesn't justify this regulation. Um, there may be marginal security benefits to maintaining logs like this, right? And I would say that there are uh, many, uh, th there are not many VPNs that are doing this for privacy reasons. In, in fact, it, it comes as a selling point, but they're also for-profit entities. Some, some of them providing free services actually derive profits off mining your network data, right? Like they will sell uh, data patterns about internet usage. Um, so uh, VPNs are also not this monolithic body, I think. Uh, 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 some of them are privacy focused. Some of them actually need to be regulated in the sense that they have very abysmal informational privacy practices, right? So uh, those problems, these regulations do not address at all, right? Like if, if I was asked like, oh, we have to regulate VPNs, what should we do? I would say do X, Y, Z, right? Like you ask them to be more transparent about in how they collect and process data. These are also cybersecurity issues. These are also important privacy issues. Uh, so I think 
in, in my opinion, uh, these rules miss that problem space entirely and, and try to address a very narrow set of cybersecurity goals, which have this disproportionate effect on other lives. There's a lack of a data protection law or framework um, and the vacuum that creates. Um, give the government more scope to come out with these kinds of rules that are much more narrow, they are a lot more procedural, and they tend to target certain entities like VPNs, right? How much does the lack of a coherent and clear a framework around data collection, storage, processing, and transfer allow for such moves to be implemented. For sure, and uh, I mean, one is the absence of law that allows yeah. you know this. Uh, this is uh, delegated legislation after delegated legislation, mm -hmm. right? Like certain is a body set up by the IT Act. There are rules issued under the Act that sort of lay out what certain is supposed to do. And now this is the certain issuing regulations for, you know, uh, data processing by VPN. And, and this sort of uh, level after level of legislation, while useful in some context, in this context is only happening because there's, uh, there's no mention of VPNs in the IT Act, right? Like there's no, uh, there's no clear direct power that uh, even certain has from an institutional point of view. Certain is not like computer emergency response team, this sort of institution is not unique to India. Certs are, uh, there are global certs, there are industry specific certs, there are country specific certs, and their primary job is to have coordinating action on security incidents. So that means they um, issue advise, advisories on how organizations approach uh, incidents of finding out about security vulnerabilities, how to fix security vulnerabilities, how to report security breaches to users, et cetera. So in, in a way, uh, you know, the general absence of laws that govern this, uh, we're seeing this even now because certain in many ways is exceeding what people would have imagined their uh, scope to be. And this may be a legal issue as well, by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to actual lawyers to debate on, on whether um, certain has the power to issue these rules. Uh, on on the general data on the absence of a data protection law, I think we've just seen issue after issue crop up with excessive government access to information. Our surveillance laws are also outdated, um, and again, this uh, this move is the opposite of data protection, right? Like you're asking companies to retain more data, you're asking companies to actually collect more data than they need, just so you can provide them to the government if if and when they want it. So um, the absence of that overarching law of data protection that regulates government action is only exacerbating the governmental tendency for more surveillance that we've seen across the years. Um, what has been the reaction been so far to these new rules? Um, I, I know that I, I think I read that certain VPNs are are have have come out basically stating, "Look, we cannot operate in India under these circumstances." Right. Um, have have other VPNs um, expressed similar concerns? Can they remain in India with such rules? Um, and what's been the broader reaction from the public? Also? Right. So uh, based on the privacy concerns that I just summarized, I think lots of civil society groups, not just in India, have, have written to the Ministry of Electronics and IT. Uh, and uh, that forced them to publish the aforementioned 
frequently answered question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so the Internet Freedom Foundation, Access Now, Internet Society have sort of all come out with statements. Um, now, the reaction from the VPN industry, um, I think naturally many VPNs are opposed to the regulation. If I have to guess, then some of them are you know, private companies and there's an economic cost to compliance generally. So that might be one facet of the opposition. Uh, some VPNs are actually... Uh, privacy focused and they have opposed it on the principles that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and y- you're right, like two VPNs that I know of at least, ExpressVPN and Surfstock have uh, announced that they're shutting down Indian servers. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that Indian users won't be able to use those services anymore. It's just that they had customers in India and setting up servers in India means that Indian customers have better network performance. You can connect to the VPN faster and you have um, uh, faster sort of uh, quality of service. Uh, so they've shut down Indian servers, which is a move from them to sort of not collect the data, right? Like, because it's unclear what the stick in the regulation is. By that, I mean, what happens if a VPN doesn't comply to these regulations? Um, Banning them or specifically block asking internet service providers to block them would also be unlawful in my opinion because the that that law doesn't allow the government to do that on these vague cybersecurity conditions. So um, uh, it's it's unclear what would happen then. But uh, currently they've decided to leave India, which is to which easily sort of um, avoids them in engaging on debates of whether they're collecting this data or retaining them. The interesting counterfactual here is that, say if India had better cybersecurity conditions, if threats were minimal, if cyber hygiene was much better and cyber resilience was better, do you think the government would be um, instituting these rules with the VPNs if that were the case? You're, you're right in saying that the the perception of what cybersecurity threats are contributes to how they regulate, yeah. right? And in this and this instance, uh, I, I'm not sure what contributed to this specific drafting. Even the FAQs don't. Uh, I mean, they they do have a lot of context on the government's motivation on other parts of the rule, but not on the VPN part. So one, uh, you know, is is left with the uh, with the suspicion that it comes as a move for more surveillance. Um, but uh, they do mention this like safe and trusted use of the internet uh, and, and they do gouge it in those terms. As, as I said earlier, there are like so many types of cyber threats and cyber resilience, right? Like uh, these rules, while the government may want to pretend and like that it addresses external security threats, it does nothing to do that. Uh, there are, uh, for cybersecurity purposes, you do need regulation on how um, how cybersecurity incidents are reported, revealed to the public, how vulnerabilities are fixed, right? And and I'm I'm glad that's a conversation we're at least having. Although these rules sort of uh, maybe too onerous for for companies is is the sense I'm getting. Um, and you're you're right. Like I feel like sometimes uh, it's a narrow focus on a on a set of goals that that perhaps is counterproductive because you're not seeing the the entire picture there. So while 
while uh, one may be satisfied with issuing new regulations for this purpose i don't think it does anything to address the larger questions of cyber security and cyber resilience in india and in fact many ways goes against it because you're going against uh, data security and information privacy practices what do you think is at stake fundamentally and broadly with these new rules big picture yeah i think uh, the rules are symptomatic of two trends in my opinion one is that this is what happens if you ignore the larger goal and focus on a narrow set of goals right and especially if you keep uh, creating and formulating regulation when the core of your focus is criminals and cyber criminals right like you forget the effect that you have on uh, freedom of expression and privacy for the general population uh, and this is true for vulnerable communities as well right like as um as a child or a woman like it's the home in the standing committee on home affairs mentioned right like you are also in need for privacy and the right to access information right like children's health in, uh, especially the children's uh, menstrual health when they're growing up for uh, women access to resources that uh, they want to access privately is also a concern right like these these things are also at stake when you're formulating these regulations um the second thing is that there is the larger political context in india the bharatiya janata party is in power and many of their governance tactics are authoritarian and this is reflected in the online regulation as well for the 2021 rules for intermediaries that were issued by the ministry of electronics and it and now to the cert rule that you see that uh, clearly the express purpose of certain regulations is actually serving right there the the fact of the matter is that if they retain this data if they store it in india it's easier for the indian government to access it right and that's a in in the absence of a plain explanation of what they're trying to do uh, and and as someone who wants to hold the government to account that's the explanation i have to arrive at by the process of elimination so uh, i i i think that 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 tactic and strategy of authoritarianism also pervades online regulation and is is worrying um i want to end with a perhaps an unfair question and maybe maybe one that you you possibly could have been thinking of and might not be able to answer fully now um what will the internet look like in india in say 10 15 years wow okay <laughs> um i think there's there's a concerted push towards promoting the domestic industry for and that can come in various forms which is that you incentivize having servers in india that you incentivize indian companies for certain uh, procurement of a certain in certain economic framework uh, and uh, the thing to be wary about that is you do not want to replace a large american surveillance giant or a large chinese surveillance giant with an indian surveillance giant right like as as a consumer Uh, or at least to me that doesn't matter right like a, um, a large company is a large company and a large company looking at private data for profit is still that uh, regardless of their national affiliation um the the second thing of course is on on data governance broadly i think the uh, we we're, we're seeing some movement on regulation of non personal data and data sharing so looking at that as how that can be democratized and used by like smaller companies uh but uh 
I, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's enough to sort of change the landscape of the internet as we will see it, but uh, uh, th that's one thing to sort of look forward to in terms of internet regulation. Uh, one thing I do hope for as, as a wish, more, more, more of a wish than a prediction, is that uh, we make some advances in fixing the historical mistakes. Uh, the Indian online censorship and surveillance regime is without any uh, balance or checks of power. You have all the power in the hands of the executive. So it's like it's been two years since TikTok was banned, right? Like where India's cut off from a global social media network, which was used by a large population in India. So uh, I, I hope some of the mistakes are reversed. I hope that there are more checks and balances when it comes to how the Indian government can censor online resources, how it can ask information from these companies. Yeah, th that's more uh, somewhat of a wish list than a, <laughs> than a prediction. But uh, I, I, I am an optimistic person at the end of the day. So <laughs> that was great. Um, Gushaba, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.